For all my women out there, I just want you to know that you are a boss. Women have to be at the table for technology and innovation. And if not, we'll simply create our own. Don't feel like you shouldn't be a part of the tech space just because there aren't many women in the room. That's exactly why we need you to be there. Girl, don't forget to rep your set in these tech spaces, AKA rep your culture. You are the face of technology and the face of a future. This quick commercial, guys, is brought to you by Huawei Technologies. Huawei Technologies is a tech firm that develops small to medium-sized websites for businesses. So if you need a website, reach out to Huawei Technologies. They can be reached at wallwaytech.com or shoot them an email at info at wallwaytech.com. Thank you, Huawei Technologies, for sponsoring this episode. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Women in Tech with Ariana. Today, guys, we have a super special guest, Christina Stay Skalova. And she is here to talk about her journey through tech, talk about her um, startup company, and her journey throughout data science. Christina, we are so excited to have you today. I'm really, really excited to be here. Definitely an honor. Awesome. So, Christina, let's start from the beginning. Where are you originally from and currently based? Uh, well, I'm originally from the Czech Republic, uh, and I am currently finally back in New York City. Awesome. I know. I hope you're staying safe out there, Christine. Uh, New York kind of got hit bad during COVID, so I'm glad that you're safe and you look well. Um, and yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. I would say that now it feels like New York City is currently apparently in a good place yeah. compared to some other parts. So yes. We will stay that way. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yep. So, Christina, let's talk about your background, right? Because you have a variety of different experiences from working as an analyst with big data and behavioral design to having a background in economics. Let's talk about your journey of discovery to getting into the tech space. Yeah, uh, yeah that's, that's a, it's, a, it's a long uh, road. I guess that's how I would describe it. Um, I think that uh, like some of the other speakers that I've listened to on your podcast, I don't think I actually initially envisaged having a career in tech in general. Uh, what I did know is that when I was very young, I really wanted to be a scientist and I wanted to study, you know, biology uh, in university and do like biotechnology and make X-Men, or at least that was my head uh, in my head at the age of 15. Unfortunately, I decided to study economics, uh, and I think that as a result of not having liked what I studied, my career has basically been multiple attempts at trying to get back into the scientific space and trying to mold the fact that I did not have the education experience back to trying to do more of what I wanted to do, which was science experimentation and what I would call like real hard subjects. Um, so yeah, uh, basically, after university, uh, I was like, okay, I really didn't like economics at all, but I really like this field of behavioral science because basically that allows me to do some scientific experiments uh, whilst applying economic theories better. And then after that, I got this awesome job in the, the UK government where basically we were taking uh, behavioral science and running live like experiments in in the population, which I guess now that I've said it this way, it's like what you were running experiments on people, but they were all about like good public policy changes. And that was really exciting because you got the scientific element of experimentation, but you also uh, got to do uh, like good things for people. But I always kind of had the sense that I wanted um, 
I wanted to be more in control and do more of like the technical side because I felt that in that role, if you just did policy, then you were missing out on kind of like doing the data analysis of the experiments. And I think that that's kind of what shifted me back into the data side. And I was very lucky to then work in a company uh, that was small enough to basically be like, you can learn all the data science you want. So that's where I kind of started my big data journey, uh, analyzing people movements, which then took me to more big data and then eventually to data science um, and eventually to where I am now. Now, Christina, you are the founder, right, of Lemons, your startup. Tell us about Lemons and how did it get started? Yeah, uh, so basically at Lemons, uh, we aim to help startups avoid bad marketing hires through competitions that test skills. Um, And it was started on the basis of my own experience. So um, I kind of alluded to it in my story, even though I'm from the Czech Republic, I now live uh, in New York City and I've basically been an immigrant since about the age of 15. So moving to places and starting new uh, has been something I've done repeatedly. Uh, And the last time I did it was actually when I did move to New York City, which was some four or five years ago now. um, And I was trying to apply for jobs. Uh, Unfortunately, because my resume, uh, which I still called CV at the time, uh, didn't have any American experiences, had schools on it that were not that recognizable. And I sent out 200 applications uh, and got zero responses. And I remember one day uh, I was sitting in a park um, crying because this one recruiter had told me that I was never ever gonna get any job with my resume and I'd be lucky to get the first job I can get. Uh, which I thought was a bit sad because I was like, I'm a data person, I should be able to get a job. Uh, Nonetheless, um, the way that I managed to turn it around was I went to this one talk and this uh, amazing lady was there and she basically said, you know what, if you want a job, like you have to create a network, right? It's all about creating a network and show people the value that you can bring. So I basically took that and instead of applying to jobs using your resume, I started to like look at job descriptions, try and understand the problems that these companies were facing. And when I wrote to people um, and asked them about those roles, I also included a piece of work. So like, this is what I would do. This is how I would analyze your data. And I went from like the 200 zero responses to like six outreaches, six uh, meetings, six interviews. And suddenly I was like, uh, I had an interview at Facebook, at Google, at WeWork, like all the companies I had dreamed of applying before. Um, And so basically uh, I ended up getting a job at Facebook, which was fantastic, great company to work for. But then what what I thought was sad was when I was there, the same person that had been rejected by every single company suddenly now was valuable. So Mm -hmm. I had people, Um, reaching out to me from the very same companies that had rejected me and never looked at my resume before, who now were suddenly like, oh, come and join our company. And I was like, that's a bit crap. I mean, I'm I'm the same person. Um, And so the whole idea of Lemons is to tie it all together and to basically try and um, try and make the value of the candidate not come from your resume, from the company that you work at, but really the person in you. And what we want to do is we want to really use those competitions to build candidates' personal brands, candidates like me that maybe don't have a good resume, uh, that don't have the right experience, and show that they are that good and that they should get those roles uh, in those big, fancy companies. So, Christina, um, Lemons, right, is an ability-first, equal opportunity hiring platform for digital marketers. 
So, you know, I, I what I loved about you is when I was doing research and, you know, we had our meeting, of course, before this yeah. recording. But I love the idea that you guys literally take the application process, correct, and you turn it into more like a competition versus the, the, the regular, um, you know, way that people go about doing like their interviews. And it gives this practical perspective, right, to really help um, candidates you know, or companies understand, you know, who's the best candidate. So I'm just curious about the research in that. And uh, of course you had your own experience, right? When you kind of change your basically methodology and going from 200 applications to six and having, you know, going to Facebook, which is phenomenal by the way. But, you know, I want to know what were some of the deciding factors that really helped you say, okay, let's replace the application process with competition. Yeah, um, yeah. I guess the so the initial idea was I just remember when I was in that position where I was job hunting, and I remember just reading so many job descriptions and being like, you know, that feeling when you're like, I know I could do this, and you like see yourself in the job, and you're like, ah, oh, I would do this, 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 and I think that I'd be so, so great. And the whole idea was that I wanted to have something that could that could really create an equal basis for everyone because I knew that if I applied, it would it's unlikely that I, I would I would get through to the next round. And I was like, how can we change that? How could you still have the same number of applications, but have a better system for comparing them? Mm-hmm. And that's the idea of where the competition came from, because the whole concept is that the only distinguishing factor is your performance on a task. And that is objective uh, in the sense that we run the competitions live so it's like your customers that see your ad that decide and the whole point is that the only thing that differentiates you then should be your skill so everyone actually has an equal chance of getting an interview that was kind of where that concept came from so i really saw it as an as a way for me to not worry about the things that might be holding me back but to actually give me the same conditions to apply for the role and that's where the competition concept came from interesting and, you know, Christina, how do the competitions actually work? Can you walk us through what that process looks like? Yes. Yeah. So uh, so the idea is that um, we meet with an employer that has uh, a job description. Uh, based on that job description and our kind of meetings with them, I would say that we kind of identify their main pain point, uh, which, you know, revolves a lot of times around lead gen or something like retention. And the beauty with marketing now is that because, well, especially performance marketing, it's uh, it's very, uh, it's highly measurable, right? Because all these platforms like Facebook, like Instagram, like LinkedIn, they, you can run now, you can run ads now and you can measure them all on the back end. You can measure what, basically whatever you want. Um, so once we've kind of understood the problems of the client, we come up with what the challenge is gonna look like. And it tends to be like execute, like here's a piece of, so this is a company. This is the problem that they're having. This is some data that shows you how previous ads performed. And then it's like, now with all of this knowledge and some other resources, what would you do to drive leads, to re-engage people? Um, And we try and uh, we've changed our our competitions to try and make sure it's not too much work. Uh, We want it to be at most four hours and we give a financial reward to the top three candidates. Then what happens is the candidates have a weekend or maybe sometimes more to submit a piece of work, a marketing asset. So let's say it's like a post, for example, a LinkedIn post. And then to make sure that it is equal and that nobody, that there's no like um, 
differences because somebody like posts it from their own account and they have more followers or something like that. We actually take the assets and we post it from the client's account under the client's name. So to everyone's, to the world's view, it looks like you're actually posting posts on behalf of the client. It's not the candidate that's doing it, it's the client that's doing it. And then we use the one outcome metric from the real posts that were actually posted to evaluate how the candidates perform. Um, and then the candidates that meet above the certain baseline that we have set beforehand in the competition, they all automatically get an interview. And only then does the employer actually see who the candidates are. Up until then, they're just candidate 45, candidate 47, and uh, they're completely anonymous. Right. And, you know, Christina, this is, again, it, this is a really innovative, practical way, right? And and what, immediately when I think about Lemons, um, you know, I kind of think about how in this new world, especially in the tech world, you know, the conversations on Twitter are always about, you know, oh, do you need a, you know, a college degree for certain jobs, specifically yeah. around software development? And of course, we obviously know, duh, no, <laughs> because you can learn all that online for like 10.99 on Udemy.com. But yeah. <laughs> beyond that, what I like about Lemons is that it's kind of validating, right, this new model of how we assess people's skill sets based on not just the resume, but what can you actually do? Because you have people who have resumes, but that doesn't mean you can have a resume that makes it sound like you're a social media expert because you ran a business for three years. And then until you actually run a Facebook ad at your new company, that's when we'll really know for the next three months whether or not you are who you say you are. So, you know, I, I just love the practicality of this. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what we want to achieve. Uh, and I think like what we, uh, on top of actually submitting the document, what we also want, uh, we get the candidate to also write a kind of description of A, why they chose that, and if they were to, uh, like, if they were to do something else, what is it that they would do? So that you don't only get like the practical aspect, but you also actually get to see how the person is thinking, which in both cases is just so much more interesting than that resume, because you actually get the candidate's person. And I think one of the nice things is that rather than anchoring on that resume, um, you know, there you go with the behavioral science, that's where, that's where it hits in. So rather than anchoring on the resume, because the minute the person sees the resume, the perception of the candidate is determined by what they see. Whereas in this scenario, what they see instead is they're like, wow, candidate 47 produced this and they got, you know, a, a CTR that's this. And then they're it just completely reframes the conversation. You're a completely different candidate in the employer's eyes, and that that's quite nice to see. And, you know, uh, uh, I love to talk about, right, um, the importance of making things inclusive. And I know one of the things that Lemons champions is being a, you know, e ability first, equal opportunity hiring platform. Um, so, I, you know, I wanna know what process do you have in place or processes do you have in place to ensure that, you know, the competition is inclusive for all types of people? Because I kind of think of people who may have, let's say, learning disabilities, but can still do their job phenomenally, or, you know, maybe they just think in a different way that they, you know, solve a problem or, or they learn, um, but they still get a successful p solution. So what processes do you have in place to ensure that, you know, the competition is truly um, a level field where anyone can compete? Yeah. That's a really, really good question. And actually, when I uh, read it on, I was like, that, that's a good one to think about. Um, and we are a new startup, so I probably will say that I don't think we have the best solution yet. 
But one of the things that we're really kind of hoping to do based also on the feedback uh, of the people competing now is that we want to kind of standardize the way that you make uh, the inputs. So to your point, if instead of them like designing the asset, you know, and there could be people that are uh, better or worse at actually making a design, but if they have the idea, that still means that they can do it. So if instead they could just be like, okay, this is the kind of thing that I would make. And then we internally have a standardized process where everyone gets the this, this same designer to make their creatives. That way it's the idea that's the differential and not like whether or not they're, they can make like a pretty post or something like that. So that, that's kind of uh, what we're thinking about doing in terms of processes. No, that's cool, right? Because, and again, you're giving them the equal amount of resources. Yes. Um, at that point, it's literally just based on that person to clearly communicate. And unfortunately, and you know, sometimes, not sometimes, a lot of times in the tech space, we'll put folks, you know, in the same job position, which is which is fine, right? If you can compete, you can compete. But we'll give certain communities, you know, certain resources and access to capital or access to, yeah. you know, folks who can actually turn the, you know, you know, make a change um, because of their network um, and then expect the same results from other folks. So I think that is, that's, that's step one. And that's great that you guys are doing that. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's exactly where we eventually want to get to. Like, oh, you know, our, our ideas range from the fact that, Hey, we're like, Oh, like if you want to make a video, like do it, maybe all, everyone has to do it on Movely. And like, this is a link and everyone gets that. And yes, for the budget, uh, sorry, for the comp competitions, if there's a budget, uh, then everyone gets the same budget. All the posts are posted at the same time. So we try and basically create uh, an A-B test or all the conditions to make it so that the only differential is really the output. That is really the aim. That's great. I love it, Christina. So, you know, you went to the University College of London where you got your Master's of Science. And this was so cool. So you got your Master's of Science in Cognitive and Decision Sciences. Um, where you study to understand the representations of underlying human thought, knowledge, and decision-making in the context of psychology and economics. And I, you know, when I read that, I was just kind of like a bit blown away because I'm like, okay, it's starting to make sense, right? Like how Lemons kind of came about, um, you know, your history and your background and your journey leading up to Lemons. Can we talk about how those strategies that you learned at UCL um, helped you with Lemons today? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I actually, like, again, this was a really great question because I was like, maybe I should try and think more about what, what I learned in the past <laughs> and, and, and implement it now. <laughs> because I would, if anything, I would say uh, part of, you know, the thing in, that I learned uh, on that course and part of the reason I chose to do it was I've always been very fascinated with how humans make decisions. Mm -hmm. uh, and above all, the thing that's sometimes so frustrating is that, you know, there's, there's things that you want in the world to happen and there are things that make logical sense and then people do certain things and uh, they're very, very different and you're like, why do you do that? Um, and to be completely honest, my motivation for, for studying the course was in part related uh, to my own uh, kind of personal uh, issues. I had uh, some issues with eating and I couldn't understand how me as a person that is rational is able to like be like, this is clearly unhealthy, not good for you. How could I suddenly have these behaviors that were completely irrational. Um, and that's basically what this course talked about. It was very much like the shortcuts in the brains, the biases. Um, and that's exactly, as you say, that really feeds into the whole like lemons process. So the whole, the whole, the problem is that 
irrespective of even if we're really good intentioned, when you see that resume, and I alluded to it earlier, you make a picture of that person uh, based on their name, based on the school you see, like all of these things, they have a history and so therefore they frame the person to you. And what we really want to try and do is we want you to not create that picture of the person and we want to just try and create a different picture of that person which we want to do with those challenges so uh, as I alluded to earlier it's this anchoring concept because um, anchoring is basically the fact that you know you said uh, people have mental perceptions of certain things um, and basically once they read a resume and if they see an Ivy League school they're going to be like okay Ivy League school good because that's their anchor whereas if you completely remove that and you see the uh, you never see that about the candidates at all uh, they can't make that perception. So to all of the candidates, it's just a pool of people that did X, Y, Z, and it just puts, it starts the conversation completely differently. Now, what I will definitely say, which is really interesting is what, uh, so, so far we've ran three competitions and from all the competitions, we've always been very good at getting all the candidates to have interviews. Now the question is though, when the employer still needs the person, they do see the person. And mm -hmm. as much as we can try and improve the process up to now, when they go into that interview, they're still, unfortunately, uh, they're going to be judged by the way they look, by the way that they perform in the interview. Uh, and I think that that's something that I probably underestimated a little bit in the beginning that I was like, no, it's a fair process. Everyone's just going to be like, you're great, so I'll hire you completely. But there's definitely something to be said about how we can carry it the full step. And then before we get to that world where it's just this and they get hired, how can we still help them get that final stage of the job when they do meet the person and then when everything, all that anonymity and all that is taken away and it's like, oh, you're this person. And you know, Christina, is is that the goal? Should we have a, do you think that there should be a complete, you know, process and maybe this is, I don't know, is or is that the long-term vision of Lemons to where, you know, you're in control of that entire process and it's completely unbiased because it's solely based on a person's skill. Do you think that that's like a direction that companies should go in? I would say that I would love, I would love for that to happen. I would love for us to at least form a larger part of the interview process. Like in the beginning, um, uh, I, I perhaps rather idealistically was like, yeah, once we have, it was just going to be competition and then, you know, uh, that's it. They're going to get hired. And then I understood that, no, like people really do need to meet the person. And it makes sense because ultimately, like you can be really good at your job, but equally, I mean, if you're not going to get along with the people, that actually doesn't work. Um, so, yeah, so we in included that element of the interview. But yes, we we hope to at least be able to take up a larger part of that interview process. Can we ever live in a world that's completely unbiased? I don't know if I, I don't know if we'll ever uh, get there, but I think we can definitely make things a lot better than they are now. Um, and I really I do think I at the very least would like to change the way interviews are done, because exactly to that point, like it is kind of crappy that you have to learn how to interview. Right. Like it shouldn't be that way. You should. People should like the fact that uh, if you're like a different kind of candidate and that you bring a different perspective, but there definitely is a right and a wrong way to interview. And I, I definitely experienced that, especially with a lot of the candidates on our platform. Sometimes I like get them on a call and at the end of it, I'm like, man, I, I kind of get why this is not working out for you. And it's not because they don't have the talent, but it's the way that they present themselves. And it's kind of, it's kind of crap if you think about it. Like, I don't think that that's the right way that it should be done. But there's a lot of mindsets that have to change before we get to that vision. Absolutely. Yep. It'll take some time. But Lemons is here to solve that problem. So I'm, I'm excited Absolutely. to see that. 
But, you know, Christina, so we're wrapping it up with our interview here. With all of your knowledge, mistakes, and successes over the years, if you could go back to the beginning of your career, what advice would you give yourself? <laughs> um, I mean, I guess I would say I view my uh, career more as like a succession of failures that has given me more wisdom to try and do fewer mistakes uh, going forward. I think that I definitely... In terms of looking back, uh, there's probably like three points uh, that, that that I would think about. I think firstly, when I started my job, um, I was uh, a, a little bit, um, I'm not very good at asking for help. Uh, I always think that I can do everything the best myself and asking for help is a sign of weakness. I've learned over the years that without people, you can't really get anything done. So that's like the first one. The second one is that, um, it's more important to be fair than overly nice. I sometimes uh, have this uh, kind of ability to try and think that, you know, I want to deliver everything. We're going to change the world. We're going to make everything like uh, exciting and rosy straight away. That's not really a reality. I think that it's, a, and if you over, um, if you set too high expectations and then you don't deliver them, that's actually much more disappointing for everyone around. So I think I've also learned that. Um, and I think the third one is uh, definitely uh, to be, I guess uh, more, um, how could I say, uh, reflective. Uh, yeah, like I think that sometimes, especially if you have uh, arguments or like if you have disagreements with people, I think that it's really important to try and see the other person's uh, perspective. And I think that that's sometimes hard to do in the heat of the moment. So it's really, I think, being like less hard on yourself and not maybe trying to resolve things straight away and like allowing time. Uh, to work things out and maybe not coming to very dramatic conclusions. So those would be the three things. That's good. No, those are those are really good points. Some of those the things you said, I'm like, oh, I need that for myself. <laughs> I love it. So, Christina, what's one tangible resource that you can share with our listener base today? Yeah. Um, so a, a book that I uh, recently read that's actually been really, really critical for me in a lot of user, user research interviews uh, is this book called The Mom Test. Uh, and I think it's a really great read in line with everything that we talked about today. Um, a lot of startups, uh, a, a lot of people think about user research and you know they think surveys and, and that kind of stuff. But um, if you get, if you don't ask the right questions and you get a lot of noise and kind of in, in relation to all the behavioral science that we were talking about before, there's a way that you can ask questions that you actually get really good data from both your users. If you think about it in a company, but even in the context, if you're like work and you're a user researcher, even if you're a data scientist and you're trying to do that kind of stuff. Uh, and the mom test is a really excellent book uh, that talks about how to ask questions to actually figure out what people really feel and not what they'll tell you to make you not upset. So that that is definitely a book I would read. Perfect. Well, thank you, Christina, so much for your time and coming on the show. It's been such a pleasure to have you. No, it's, been, it's really been a pleasure to be here. This is such a brilliant uh, podcast, and it's an honor to be in a collection of all these wonderful women in tech. Well, you are amazing. And what's one way, What's or not just one, but a couple ways for our listener base to follow you and, and your story and support Lemons? Uh, that's a that's a great uh, great question. Uh, so I'd say there's a couple of ways. We do uh, have an Instagram account, uh, Hire uh, LMNS, and I think Hire is also spelled without the e. We also have our own website, uh, HireLemons.com, where you can track all our competitions um, and kind of the results if you want to take part. And last but not least, we do have a YouTube channel where we sometimes stream the results of our competitions, uh, which you can find under LMNS as well. 
Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Christina, for coming on the show. It's been such a pleasure to have you. You guys, thank you so much for tuning in this week with, with Women in Tech with Ariana. It's your favorite podcast host, signing out.